So this morning, in keeping with the precedent I set last Sunday, I'm going to, uh, and, and those of you who may not have been here, um, I think that was the longest sermon I preached since I've been here. Um, I understand from those that keep time, it was 51 minutes. Um, I guess I was in the groove. Uh, I'll say this, we are actually today uh, going to be looking at Psalm 119. That is the longest chapter in the book of the Bible. And if you recall, I said last week, if you looked in your outline, Psalm 119 was listed in there. And I said we were taking that out and moving it to this week. But Psalm 119 has 176 verses. Uh, but I'll say this, we, we won't be addressing a verse-by-verse verse expository today, uh, but doing a little bit of an overview and then focusing in on one passage. Let us ask the Lord God to bless His Word. Father God, we give You praise. We thank You, O Lord, that this is Your world, and that You, Lord Jesus, sit at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We ask today that You would open up our ears to hear that we may submit ourselves to you and your word, O oh Lord, that we may be able to see and evaluate with wisdom and maturity this world and make ourselves to be faithful disciples of you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we serve the living triune God. The living God has given us his word and as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now right there we have an instruction from the Lord to understand Scripture. We're told that it is given by the inspiration of God. It is God's Word. We talked about this last week, that God's Word comes to us because He is a person, and that He is personally speaking to us from His Word. He is not silent. He is not a dumb idol. He is not a theory. No, He is the living God, and he speaks to us. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. To what end? That the man or the people of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That word complete would lend itself to maturity, to wisdom. Again, last week we talked about that God's Word is meant to be heard. Again, I, I mentioned that uh, God intended His Word to be heard, and we see this throughout history. Most of the people were not literate throughout history, and so their only options were to hear others read God's Word aloud. So both synagogues and churches historically have read long passages again and again. That's where, you notice every week we read uh, several passages that comes out of a lectionary. I encourage you, as you look at the lectionary readings, perhaps the next week you go through them and you read them, and you should look for the theme because every one of those passages is linked. 
We could do whole sermons every week just on the theme in the lectionary reading for the day. I also want to remind you that we discussed that ears are the organ of submission. Hearing God's word creates community. It makes the church to come into being. Hearing God's word emphasizes the personhood of God. God speaks to his people. God is relational. You cannot close your ears. Hearing is always yielding your authority. And again, as an illustration, if I am speaking and you wait, right? You don't want to interrupt. You want to hear what I have to say. I'm speaking. You are yielding the authority of your mind to the speaker. And so we need to remember that the ears are the organ of submission. And so part of it is we should read God's word to one another. We should talk about God's word to one another. As Nate was telling us this morning during the practice, that we should be singing with one another God's word. And in all this, we will be learning and submitting to God's word. Remember, your eyes, God gives us our eyes as a form of evaluation. As a form of evaluation. With your eyes, you're in control, but it's very limited. I use this illustration, and I'll say it again because, fathers, I don't think we can hear this enough. We come home, we walk in the door, we look around with our eyes, and we make judgments about what's going on, and in our desire to exercise leadership in our home, we overturn the apple cart because we lack knowledge. I encourage every young man, as I counsel them towards marriage, on your way home from work, when the wheels are rolling, since we have this technology today, call your wife and say, how's it going? What do I need to know coming in? What can I do to help you? So that you know what role you need to play as a husband, as a leader in your home, when you step in the home. It is important that we don't try to evaluate things without first submitting and hearing. So to us, the application in God's word is, let us hear it so that we grow. Let us hear it so that we get doctrine, we get corrected, we get instruction in righteousness. right? And then we can evaluate things properly. We can see and understand the world. We can see and understand people. And, I, and I'm going to tell you this uh, illustration here so that we can properly see ourselves. Now this week, um, a number of us in the church had the opportunity to go see a missions movie, The Ends of the Earth. It's about the Mission Aviation Fellowship. And as I've mentioned in the past, one of our brothers right here in our church, his aunt was the first Mission Aviation Fellowship pilot. She was a pilot during World War II. And then she came out and used her abilities to further the gospel. But there's this very powerful illustration in Papua, Indonesia, where there's a missionary out there and he's been evangelizing and teaching and training in this community for 20 years. 
And while he's been there, one particular man has become an evangelist, and he travels to other villages, and he preaches the gospel. And with an interpreter, we had the opportunity to observe this man, who at one time was so pagan. They were lost. We're talking about tribes that are lost. And this has just happened now. If you look at this, if you watch this movie, and I strongly encourage you to do so, but these are people that you can't imagine are this primitive, this late in history. It used to be that when a man would die unexplainably, that, that they would basically do some witchcraft and draw lots to see which woman had turned into an evil spirit in the night and killed that man. And then they would go and kill that woman. And in fact, this evangelist says he is just astounded at how many women they have killed during his lifetime. That's utterly lost, people. And what he says is, he uses this illustration, he says, when the missionaries came and they translated and they learned the language and they wrote out the Bible, that he, he explains it this way. He says, I was dirty and he was standing there and he put dirt all over himself. And he says, before the missionaries came, I did not know that I was dirty. He said, but when they brought me God's word and they preached God's word, it was like a mirror. And I could finally see the dirt that was all over myself. I could see the condition of the man that I was. And he says, then I understood and I needed to repent. And he became a Christian. And he, he, he brushes the dirt off, and he puts on a shirt, and he says, and just like this shirt is covering up the dirt I can't wipe off, the righteousness of Jesus Christ covers my sins. But I'm going to tell you, if you watch that scene, if that doesn't bring strong emotion to you, to see a man who was so far a pagan, come to this understanding he had to hear God's word he had to see it he had to submit to it and then he could repent how about this consider our lectionary readings just from today Job 42 verses 5 and 6 what does Job say he says I have heard of you what by the hearing of the ear he heard God speak, he heard God's instruction, and he heard it and submitted to it. But now my eye sees you, therefore I abhor myself. In other words, because now he has heard God's word, he has submitted to it, he sees that he is under judgment and that he needs to take action. And what does it go on to say? It says, he says, Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. We must hear God's word. We must submit ourselves to it. Even when we don't understand the, the implications or it seems completely unbelievable, submit yourself to God's word and you will have understanding. It may take time, but God will enlighten you the Spirit of God will enlighten you I tell you 
I've told my children many times, over and over again, and when I used to preach in the shelter, I used to say it a lot to them as well, there are always two questions that you should consider every time you hear God's word. One, what does this mean to me? And maybe my family and community and the church. But what does this mean? And second, here's the hard one. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to hear God's word and then clearly see things and then repent and stand in humiliation humbly before God and confessing our sins? And remember what happened after he confessed? God raised him up. Really, that psalm that we read and sang this morning, 126, that is about joy in the Lord and being restored to the land of promise and all of the blessings that is there. Let us also consider our lectionary reading from the Gospel, Mark 10, beginning in verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, he can't see. I know you all know what blind means. But blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a real person, not just someone in someone's imagination. No, he had a father. He's real. He sat at the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. They didn't want to bring him up. But he cried all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, you know this story. You heard it this morning. Jesus calls him up. And what did the people say? Be of good cheer. He's calling for you. And Jesus said to him, he says, what do you need? He says, I want to see. He had to hear. He had to listen to Jesus. He had to be listening intently. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He had to be listening first. He had to know, first of all, that something was going on with this man named Jesus. Second, he had to be listening when Jesus came down the road. And then he asked for sight. I think this brings us to today's message from Psalm 119. I want to give us a brief introduction to Psalms. I always try to do this, try to frame it up for us. Help us to see and understand what is the context so this portion is a little bit of a reminder for some, maybe new information for others. But there are five books in the Psalms. Each book closes with a doxology and a benediction. The first two books are about the golden age of Israel. Book three is dark and you see suffering and challenges and difficulties. Book four turns is about the people turning to God. And God turns to the people who are in help in their time of trouble. Book 5 is full of rejoicing in the restoration of God's people. And we see this, you know, book 5, 
begins in chapter 107 and goes to 150. So our 126 today is actually rejoicing in the restoration of God's people. And in that same book, Psalms 138 through 145 predict the reign of Jesus Christ. Again, we see in that same grouping are the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 120 through 134 where we go up to the, to the house of the Lord with joy and rejoicing. The psalms are hymns of praise, laments, thanksgiving, confidence, kingship, and wisdom. Rich Lusk, a fellow pastor in the CREC, pointed out that the psalms are sometimes thought of as, as some type of prayer or diary of the writers, particularly King David kind of an emotional diary of crying out to God. And we do see some of that. And the full gamut of every emotion you can have, you can find in Psalms. It is important that we recognize that the Psalms are the inspired Word of God. God never intended to leave His people in a state of lament or chaos. Our God is a God who forgives and restores and even blesses beyond measure. Every time you see the psalmist write of difficulty and asking for uh, relief, He always comes back to, but you are Lord and you're the one that's going to address the issue. You're the one that's going to help us through all things. Again, I think it's important to recognize if we think back to Psalms 138 through 145 that talk about the reign of Christ, there's a constant reminder that Christianity is political. You cannot separate the political from the gospel. Jesus is Lord of everything at all times in every area of your life and my life. And that is the rub. We need to submit ourselves to God's word. We need to look to the Psalms for wisdom. And I want to say, read them, sing them, talk about them with one another at all times. Now, if we look at Psalm 119 as an overview, since that's where we want to focus today. As I mentioned earlier, it's the longest psalm in the book. 176 verses. But it isn't just, well, under the inspiration, the psalmist was long that day. The poetry is set up in a particular fashion. This psalm puts an emphasis on God's Word. Is it not fitting to have the longest psalm focus on God's Word? Not in and of itself alone, but also the entirety of God's Word. This psalm is meant to teach us the importance of God's Word. This psalm is composed of 22 sections, each of the sections representing a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. More than that, each section has eight lines. And we see in this chapter that God's Word is expressed with seven words. That is, there are seven different words that... Um, you look at in the Hebrew that is translated 
in varying ways about God's Word. I think it's important for us to understand these a little bit because it helps us understand God's law and His commandments. See, sometimes I grew up in an age where a lot of people say, oh, here's the problem with the Bible. It's just a book full of rules. And that's, of course, an immature view. There are some rules, but if you had the instructions, if you had a place that told you how to live and how to work through things and how things can be best for you and best for others in your life that you love, wouldn't you use it? We become so burdened down by what we think the Bible is telling us not to do that we never think about doing what the Bible tells us to do. 25 times in the book, or excuse me, in the chapter of Psalm 119, we see that the word law appears. That's Torah. And that is direction or instruction. See, again, where we see this word translated law, a lot of times we just think right back to the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, and fill it in. But actually, that word Torah means direction and instruction. It isn't simply to say, don't do this because you're going to get on the naughty list. No, this is about being instructed and getting direction about what to do and how to live. 21 times we see the word commandment. That's midvah. That is, again, we see this, and again, we're thinking up, Another box of things I can't do. But in fact, this word actually means code of wisdom. So when we see the word commandment in this psalm, we need to think this is the code of wisdom that God is trying to give to us. He is trying to grow us into maturity and not leave us. Let's think back to the illustration of those folks in Indonesia as totally lost and darkened peoples. It is through God's word that we are given wisdom of life. 21 times the word precepts is used. This word is picodim. Now this one's going to seem interesting because when you look at what this word really means, 21 times it says picodim, and that is properly approved mandate. So it is a properly approved mandate. And I know these days we think about mandates all the time. How about that? How about we look at God's word and say, well, what is a properly approved mandate? It has implications in our lives. 23 times the word testimony is used for God's word. And this is adah or adah. And this is the witness of God. God himself is witnessing the truth of the world, the truth for us, the truth that has been in existence in Jesus Christ since before creation and was present at creation. 23 times in this chapter we see the word statutes for God's word. This is hoki, hoki. This means a limit or a boundary to a prescribed action. So, that is to say, you can do things, 
But don't go past this edge because there's trouble over there. How about sexuality? Here's where it belongs. Here's where it's glorious. Here's where it is good and great and blessed. But there's a boundary line. And of course, we can look at so many different areas where that is true. 18 times for God's word, it uses the word judgments. This is mispot, mispot. And this means judgment, justice, or ordinance. Again, as we read through the book of Psalms, if we were to kind of insert these definitions, we might pause. It would take us, I think, a lot longer to work through that, wouldn't it? To consider these different Hebrew words and their implications for our understanding of His Word. And here's interesting, 28 times, this is the one that occurs the most, we see the word, Word. God's Word, or your Word, or words. This is Dalvar, Dalvar. And this word means saying, or utterance. That is to say, these are the sayings, or the utterances of God Himself. Remember, we talked about this in the beginning. God's Word is the living God speaking to us. And here we are told, again, the importance of God's utterances to us. Again, in this chapter, we see we are told to take a variety of actions. We are to walk in His Word. Keep His Word. Seek His Word. Do His Word. Be diligent in His Word. Look or pay attention to His Word. We are to learn from His Word. We are to take heed. Meditate. Have hid. Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. We are <clears throat> to have hidden or laid up His Word in our lives. We are told to teach and to make requests with His Word. Now, there's a lot right there. I mean, we could take this and we could spend hours and days on this. But we're not going to. But I want to frame that in for you as we look at Psalm 119 beginning in verse 89. Now there's a couple of things here that I want to point out. Of course, we'll insert these definitions as we read through it and look at it. But this is how do we apply it in our daily life? And again, we talked about how there's a poetic sense to this psalm. Okay, and we see the Hebrew alphabet. And actually, Psalm 89 is the center point. Or excuse me, verse 89 is the center point of Psalm 119. And so I think that's an important place for us to look at. Um, if you're familiar with the chiastic study of ancient writings, it points the middle is the central idea. And that is what I think we find right here at verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. Now this is very important. We get very worried and concerned out there about what's going to last. Is America going to last? Is our community going to last? Is the world going to last? 
God's word is settled in heaven. That is all, not just the place where God is, but all authority. And God's faithfulness endures to all generations. Not just one generation, not to this generation, not to the first generation or the last generation, but it endures to all generations. He says this, the psalmist says, You established the earth. He created the earth. He made the earth. And it abides. Think about this. And it abides. God created the world. He established the earth. And it abides through His Word, through Him. This ought to help us to think and consider when we see difficulties, when we see challenges, when we get worried about what's going to be happening. God created the earth and it abides because God made it and it will abide until God says otherwise. But He has made a promise that He is going to bring heaven and earth together. And that is the end. Not as how we think of it end, but actually a glorious restoration of all things as he made it at creation. If it says this in verse 91, they continue this day according to your ordinances. So everything that is continuing, everything that is happening in the world and on all the earth, from the deepest sea to the highest mountain, out into the utter reaches of the universe. They continue this day according to your ordinances. That is to say, your commandments. That code of wisdom. They continue because of the code of wisdom of God. For all, now this is all people, for all your servants, that is why he keeps it all going and is for the people of God. Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. That word affliction means misery. Now sometimes we think a little bit like we have misery, and we do. I can tell you it was not an easy thing this week for my brothers and I to make end-of-life decisions about my father. But that is also filled with the joy of knowing that my father knows Christ. And Christ is keeping him in the state that he's at and is going to keep him to the very resurrection. But how do I know that is so? Because it says this, unless your law had been my delight, God's law, his commandments, his direction, his instruction tells me these things. And because of this, I can stand firm in my affliction, in my miseries, in my concerns. Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts. <coughs> Excuse me. Your precepts. For by them you have given me life. Think about that. God's precepts. That is a properly approved mandate. I will never forget God's properly approved mandates. For by them you, 
That is, God has given me life. What a wonderful thing to rejoice in. Where does our life come from? It comes from God's mandates. Wherever you find yourself today, tomorrow, any day of your life, God has ordained it to be. Stand there, trust God, hear His word, and submit to it. Because by them, by His word, He has given us life. And if you can even go a little bit farther there, I think, and when you realize that Jesus is the word, that through Jesus... The Logos, the Word of God, we have life. Yes, even eternal life. It says this in verse 94, I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. That is, again, I have sought your properly approved mandates. So when we need salvation, when we need direction, when we need help dealing with things, we need to look to God's words. Because we know that we belong to God, we can say, Lord, save me. And I have sought your mandates. What a blessed thing. So far, I haven't seen anything that was dependent on us. Now, there's instructions for us to do, but God's word is true. It is so sad that so many people are in churches today or at home today as Christians and think, God has nothing for me. They don't know God's word. They don't know that God's word is true for them where they are right now. We can cry out, save me. And we should be seeking God's mandates. You know, of course, that reminds me of two particular mandates. The cultural mandate, be fruitful, multiply, take dominion of the whole earth. And the continuation of that, the maturity of that, go ye therefore into all the world, making disciples of all nations and teaching them all that I have commanded. See how that fits right there? Verse 95, the wicked wait for me to destroy me. Think about that. The wicked, are, the wicked are waiting for us to destroy ourselves. But I will consider your testimonies. That is the witness of God. God himself witnesses to his truth. We should rejoice in that. God's word tells us truth, gives us direction and comfort. It is the words of the living triune God. What a joy. I have seen the consummation, that is, the whole of everything, of all perfection, that is, completeness or maturity. But your commandment, that is, that code of wisdom, is exceedingly very great and broad. That is, so large and so wide. God's code of wisdom is so very great. It is so wide. It is actually all-encompassing. We saw that at the beginning because he was there at the beginning and created all things. God's word is our central support structure from which all our life should be built upon. This 
section right here, beginning with verse 89, is the central place of Psalm 119. And it's filled with nothing but direction for us to know God's Word, to keep God's Word, to obey God's Word, and in all its various forms. It is the central support structure. We look in here, we've got a couple of poles here. You know what would happen if we took them out? We would have, well, hopefully nobody would be in here. I heard a preacher say this week, um, illustrating this, this point from this psalm, and he said that his church was going to build uh, a bookstore. And they went through all the proper planning and architecture and uh, all of the, the approvals from the, the government to build and they built, they were started, and they got in there on the first day, and they found that no one took into account that there was a main support beam that was going to be in the center of the room. And they could not take that down lest the whole building collapse. So guess what? In the center of this bookstore, everything had to be relayed out, the whole bookstore based off of where this support beam was. Everything was then built around that. That is how God's word is to be for you and I. The central thing. Everything else is built out from that. How you work, your marriage, rearing your children, your social life, your friendships. Again, hear God's word by singing it with one another, talking about it with one another. People of God, let me say this. Today, we're here for the covenant renewal service. God's going to renew His covenant promises with us. We're hearing God's Word, and that is wonderful. This is the launching point for the week. But brethren, if you're not talking to one another throughout the week, if you're not talking about God's Word with one another throughout the week, if you're not singing with one another throughout the week, we are struggling as a Christian community. We need one another. We need to be in each other's lives all week long. That's why we do the men's study and the women's study. But it needs to be more than that. Are we talking to one another, calling and encouraging one another, asking one another, how can I pray for you this week, and then praying with one another right then at that time? Let us all look to God's word. Let us speak it, discuss it, and sing God's word in community with one another so we will be like the psalmist. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we hear your word. Help us to submit to it. Help us to repent when we realize we've sinned. And help us, Lord Jesus, to then take it and see and grow in wisdom and maturity through your word. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.